comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Is this the word of God? You may be seated. I read somewhere that Jesus apparently did the Sermon on the Mount without screens. So I'm going to see if we can do this. Um, I only have 27 points, so just keep track as we're going through here. This summer, August 12th, Kathy and I will celebrate our 45th wedding anniversary. I know, that seems impossible because we're only in our 40s. I don't know how that works. But um, our wedding, and the wedding itself is a whole different story. We won't go there. But we were both interns at a large Presbyterian church in Fair Oaks, a suburb of Sacramento, about 2,500. We're both been interns for a number of years. A lot of people know us. So as a result, at our wedding, you always open it up to the whole church. So there were 500 people at our wedding. That's a lot of cake. It's a lot of cake. It's also a lot of gifts. No, no, but that was not the reason. Um, but it, it was a lot of gifts. In fact, one salad bowl, eight identical salad bowls, apparently on sale at Macy's that week. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but here's the thing that's a little strange to me, but all those gifts at this point are still unopened, sitting in a warehouse in Sacramento. We've never opened them. I know that would be absurd, but. <laughs> The eight salad bowls is true, but yes, those gifts got opened. But wouldn't it be absurd if we received all those gifts and then never opened them, just put them in their boxes in a warehouse because we wanted to keep them safe? We just wanted, you know, just leave them there. It would be absurd. Well, today we're going to be talking about gifts that have been given and ask the question whether they're being used or if they've been stored away and ignored. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are the giver of all good gifts. And our prayer this day is that by your Holy Spirit, you would again give us a gift as you would bring your word alive. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our Lord and our Redeemer, we pray in your Son's name. Amen. We've been working through a series on the book of Romans. And Steve last week uh, brought to us the beginning of Romans chapter 12. And the English major that he is, he got to talk about imperatives and indicatives and all those kinds of things. I just, all we know is that for the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul has been telling us what God has done in Christ. These are things that are true, that there is no condemnation, that we have been redeemed, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in Christ, we are made new. All these things are true. And now in chapter 12, the language begins to change to imperatives. In other words, because of what God has done, then do this. This is your response. And so we come to now verse 3 in chapter 12. And uh, it's a very humbling warning that Paul gives to us. 
Let me, let me ask a question. Uh, how do you view yourself? How do you see yourself? And wives, we're talking to each one individually. Don't hit your husband right now, okay? We're talking about every one of us individually. Uh, Paul tells us that we are to basically do a self-assessment of who we are. And the danger is then thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Now, it, a self-assessment, a self-inventory is hard to do. Uh, and especially to be honest with ourselves. And especially, you know, we live now in this selfie world. Uh, well, you might not. You live in the selfie world. I don't know if you take selfies. But, you know, most, most people who are, are social media influencers or, or even students, whatever, they don't just, like, take a selfie and post it. They take 50 selfies, and then they go through, and they curate, it, and they change the filters and everything else. So, so the image that's up there is just perfect. You don't want people to see actually the real self. Well, having an accurate assessment of ourselves is tough. And it can work both ways because sometimes we can think too highly of ourselves. But sometimes we can also think too low of ourselves. And there's dangers both ways. If there's danger of having thinking too high of yourself, you might tend to think you don't really need anyone else. You're doing just fine. Um, we don't need the help. Um, Kathy and I lived in Hawaii for almost nine years, and we saw the horrible aftermath of people who thought too highly of their water skills. Every week, someone drowned because they thought they'd be okay. They don't need to swim when there's a lifeguard. They can handle that surf. They can jump off that waterfall. Their view of themselves was too high, and it led to disastrous results. And on the other hand, there were also those who maybe lived in fear and would never venture out, and they missed incredible beauty. They missed incredible opportunities. To think too high or to think too low has its danger. Well, as believers, Paul wants us to have an accurate view of ourselves. But that accurate view comes when we have a mind that's been transformed by what God has already done. Remember, beginning of Romans 12, it says, to be transformed by renewing of your mind. The transformation takes place by what God has done in Christ. If we know that we are forgiven, if we know that there's no condemnation, we know that we have a new life, then with that mind, we can then humbly look at ourselves and see what God has done in our lives and is calling us to do. So we can understand that it's only because of what God has done that it's possible to be these people who are in relationship in the body of Christ. So once you've done the self-assessment, you're ready for the work of ministry. And it begins with point one. Okay, sorry. Um, that we are all part of the body of Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 12, 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So do you feel like you need other people? Or do you think you can stand alone? Um, it isn't easy for us to say that. I'm not real good at saying I need someone. I mean, just me and YouTube, and we're pretty good if i got to get the toilet fixed, okay? But a lot of times I call Larry Hurd, so Larry, I'm in trouble, okay? Do you, are you able to ask others for help? Are you able to be there for other people? Uh, the famous um, poet John Donne, Doan, excuse me, wrote, No Man is an Island, written in 1624, and it rings true 
because he argues here about the interconnectedness of all people with God. He says this, No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as any manner of thy friends or of thine own were, any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. In this case, he was talking about a country that was breaking apart. For Paul, he uses the analogy of the body and what it means to be whole and needing each other. Now, the analogy of body is a pretty easy one for us. We, we understand arms and legs and kidneys and eyes and all those things. But Paul wants us to know that we need each other. The body of Christ is the church, and it's composed of many members, and all those members need to be interrelated. Now, here's what's different here, is the body of Christ is not just an analogy. It's a reality. Anders Nygren writes, through faith, we belong to Christ. In baptism, we have been fitted in with Christ and joined to him, and are thereby actual members of his body. We are in body with Christ. This was God's plan along. The church is the body of Christ in the world today. You've probably had someone say to you, you all, if you could show me Jesus today, then I would believe. Well, what Paul is saying is that when we as a body, using our gifts by the grace of God, are fit together, we are the body of Christ. When people see the church being the church as it's called in health, that we become the manifest manifestation of Christ in the world. We are God's witnesses. There's a second truth that's really important here is understanding there is no hierarchy in the body. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all part of the body and need each other. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think of are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Here's what Paul wants us to know that every one of us is on equal footing in the body of Christ, whatever the gifts are. A person who has been a believer for 60 years or a student who just came to Christ last week at Forest Home are brothers and sisters together in the body of Christ. There is no hierarchy. Yes, one might have more wisdom. They have locked on this journey longer, but we are together on that journey of faith. And so the church is the body, all of us together. Point two, um, we have been, we have all been given gifts. We've all been given gifts. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Paul doesn't say given to some of you. He says given to us. Every believer is a part of the body and have gifts that the body needs to function. First Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should not, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
So there's three things we need to know about that. The first, we all have gifts. No one is without. God has given to you. Don't doubt. Don't wonder, well, yeah, I, I can't be here singing up. I don't have not to play the organ. I, I don't have those gifts. You have been given gifts by God. The gifts we have that we possess differ. Don't compare. They're all needed. Um, most of us don't sign up to be a big toe, but we know how important big toes are. We need everything. We need all the gifts. And we are to exercise those gifts for the health of the body. If you don't use them, the body can't function with health. Now, here's one thing to notice. Paul says in verse 6, he says, it's the second time he says, grace has been given. Uh, you don't have it in front of you, but if you look at verse 3, Paul says, by the grace given to me, I command you. And here he says, by the grace given to us, God has given. Paul is putting himself on the exact same plane as the believers in Rome. Gifts come by the grace of God. And what we're called to do is to use them. Ministry is using the gifts God gives. It's not our own accomplishments. It's what God has done in Christ. And lastly, and this might be the most important point three, the purpose of the gifts is to build up the body of Christ. The purpose of the gifts are to build up the body of Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4. And he gave as some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of a statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Picture week three of Kathy and I being married, and, and she says, I want to make a salad. That'd be awesome if we only had a salad bar. She doesn't know there's not just eight, probably like 15 salad bowls in the warehouse, right? If we only had a salad. But I'm sorry, we can't have salad then because we have no salad bowl. Some had said that in Ephesians 4, Paul is really saying almost to the point that if you don't if you use your gifts, you're stealing from the church. Now, that's a statement. But what Paul is saying is the gifts were given for the building of the church, for the work of ministry. So gifts were never meant about self-glory or about recognition. And this takes us back to, to verse 3 where Paul says that we should do that self-assessment. Every gift is needed for the church to be healthy and effective. Um, this summer started with the high school group going on their work camp to San Diego to work in urban ministry and, and help build a camp. And I was with them. And wisely, I was playing basketball on Monday uh, with the high school kids and tore a calf muscle. Even worse, I thought, no big deal, calf muscle. I can push through it. You push through it, and then your other knee starts to hurt. And then your back starts to hurt. All this, this cascades down. Why? Because one part of the body isn't functioning correctly, and it affects the whole body. We need each other for the church to be healthy. We need each person using their gifts. Now, there's different list of gifts in the New Testament, and they all come from the Apostle Paul. There's the list in 1 Corinthians 12. There's the list in Ephesians 4. There's the list in Romans 12. But it's, um, some would say, are they an exhaustive list? Or are they uh, inexhaustive? Uh, that's for theologians to debate. But what we know, they're given as gifts by the grace of God. 
But these that come in Romans 12 all kind of fall within a particular category. The first one, which says is prophesying, which is putting forth the word of God. And then the others are service gifts, that they are serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, mercy. But all seven of these gifts in Romans 12 are put under the umbrella of the diakonia, or service. Whatever the gifts are meant to serve, whatever they're meant, they're served not to seek our own, but to serve the welfare of others in the building of the body. Jessica Gross is an opinion writer for the New York Times. By her own, uh, she wrote a five-part series about the, the rise of the nuns. That's N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N. Okay, just to get that right, rise of the nuns. The nuns are those, when they take a survey, it says, what is your religious affiliation? They say, none. They have no religious affiliation. Now, Jessica, in her writing, shares that she is Jewish by birth, but doesn't practice her Jewish faith. But as she writes and explores and researches the nuns, she realizes there's this huge discontentment that they have, that what they can't find is connectedness. What they can't find is the sense of community and true support. And so she writes this. She goes, the one aspect of religion in America that I unquestionably see as an overall positive for society is the ready-made supportive community that churchgoers can access. I asked every sociologist I interviewed whether communities created around secular activities outside of houses of worship could give the same level of wraparound support that churches, temples, and mosques were able to offer. Nearly across the board, the answer was no. Repeatedly in the research, no soccer team, no bridge club, no fraternal organization, no race car association, no tiddlywinks group, whatever it might be, can, when it comes to life's tragedies, life's celebrations, life's supports, life's longings, can give the support that the body of Christ gives. Isn't it interesting that the very thing that the world is looking for is the gift that God gives to us in the body of Christ. Being a part of a community of believers that when healthy, when people are fully participating and using the gifts given by them helps to meet the needs of those who are part of it. So, so then what about you? Have you ever done that self-assessment? Have you thought about the gifts that God has given to you? The, the good thing is, and uh, I'm going to say this to some of you here, sometimes the, the more senior you get, the more experience you've had, the more you're able to identify what those gifts are. It's always good when you're doing spiritual gifts with third graders. Tell us your spiritual gift. Uh, they don't, you know, but chances are you've had that opportunity to explore. Do you doubt that you have gifts? Or have you taken those gifts and kind of tucked them away? Well, that was for another time. Or that's not now. Are you using those gifts to serve the body today? The church needs you. The body of Christ is not complete unless each one of us is using our gifts for the work of ministry. Sunday school teachers, Stevens ministers, welcome team, youth leader, elder, choir member, coffee and donut server. Let me say that again, coffee and donut server, special needs helper, 
day reliefs, homeless helper, deacons, nursery assistant, prayer warrior. So many needs. But the amazing thing is that God has given to us all the gifts we need to do the work of ministry by his grace. Paul's command to us is don't hoard them. Use them.